You know, here it is, uh, the last day of January, and we are now ready to go to Galatians 6.1. (laughs) We are just moving right along. So, Galatians chapter 6. Oh, by the way, uh, I would, uh, that's such a hackneyed phrase, but I I would welcome your prayer for me, um, as you know. I, I won't be here next Wednesday night because I'll be on a plane and um, uh, I'm going to India and I'll, be, I'll miss three Wednesday nights. And what we're trying to do is arrange three guest speakers. Like well, one of them has already been, uh, like Myron Thomas. Do you know Myron, the, uh, the African-American guy that uh, pastors the church of which we were a part of having started? I mean, it, it'll be fun. And, and you know about this this Martin Luther King thing that's happening in April, and, and I'm hoping that he will uh, uh, help us get a, a greater appreciation of that. But anyway, there, there'll be a, an array, hopefully, of um, guests that would uh, be well worth your time. Now, let me read um, Galatians 6, one. <clears throat> Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Um, Gang, um, I bet you you have heard uh, of this term or a phrase, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's called the means of grace. Um... The means of grace, I mean, an example, of course, is the Bible, um, uh, prayer, um, um, suffering, um, uh, giving, uh, all are, are vehicles by which God's people uh, grow up and mature in their walk with Jesus. One of the biggies, that is, one of the biggies in terms of what is a means of grace in this list here, one of the biggies besides the Bible and prayer, one of the biggies is God's people. The greatest provision that God has made for his people, next to his word, is his people. Um, it, is, um, it is in Christian community where the soul develops and where maturation takes place. Um, one way that that community is, uh, is supposed to function as a means of grace is described in verse 1 of chapter 6. Um, are you still with me? Uh, we have means of grace. Uh, one of them is God's people slash community. And, and one of the things that that means of grace, people slash community, do to aid in the mutual advance of the soul is being discussed here in verse 1 of Galatians 6. Um, It has to do with expressing concrete love to a sinning brother by performing the, the very difficult task of restoration. Um, 
And ladies and gentlemen, when this is done rightly, um, and please, may I underscore, when it is done rightly, it is a wonderful and marvelous means of grace. Now, so what we've got to figure out is how do we do it, this, this, um, this act of expressing concrete love via rebuke and restoration. How is that done rightly? Who in the, among the people of God loved me enough to risk the kind of um, to approach me and rebuke me and um, help me see and deal with my own sin and then to restore me. That's a means of grace, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a sweet provision that God has made, but it is so rarely performed and oftentimes when it supposedly is being reform, uh, performed, it is performed so poorly. Now, so what we want to ask tonight is, how do you do this rightly? First of all, guys, um, the normal Greek word for sin is the word um, hamartia. That's the normal Greek word for sin. That's not the word that's found here. Um, The the reason I say that is because... uh, what is not being produced in Galatians um, 6.1 is a band of sin cops who roam the halls of the church looking for people, somebody they can rebuke. And, and that might be overstated and exaggerated. Okay. But what is in view in, in Galatians 6.1 is not doctrinal error. Um, some of your translations have a different word. Mine uses the word transgression. It, it does not say if anyone is caught in any sin. And it does that on purpose. Because, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're, not, we're not trying to uh, create a team of sin cops. Also notice, it says, if anyone is caught. Now, that's, a, that's a, 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 a kind of a strange Greek word, and it's hard to... I mean, that's rendered correctly. Um, Some of your translations say, um, uh, if anyone is overtaken. Uh, Again, both translations trying to to rightly handle that Greek word. Um, But it's describing a a particular scenario that's not just, well, I just saw you uh, uh, spill your drink on the carpet and you didn't do anything about it, and I'm, I'm here to rebuke you. Uh, it has to do with almost a special category and class of sin. Gang, um, what is more human than to fall or to sin or to be deceived or seduced by the devil? And by the way, we are no match for him. Um, most of the times that I sin, usually uh, I never saw it coming. I didn't plan it. So what is more human than to, um, than to stumble? <clears throat> so, guys, um, it's not about 
every time we see somebody sin, we jump on them. Um, in fact, 1 Peter 4, I think it is, talks about love covers a multitude of sins. And this is kind of interesting too. <clears throat> Just be glad you're not a Roman Catholic. I, I'm telling you. Rome has always been embarrassed by a statement by one of the popes. It was Pope Gregory, but there's been about six Gregories, so I don't know exactly which Gregory. But this is a quote from Pope Gregory. Our censors must be feared even if they are unjust and wrong. How would you like to have that guy after you? It doesn't make a difference whether he's unjust or wrong or not. We just want to create a group of, uh, you know, sin cops that are feared in the church. <laughs> They'll be watching you. <clears throat> well, guys, that's not what... Um, that's not what's being intended in 6.1. Um, we are to, in this instance, not aggravate or increase the grief of our brother uh, or to scold him or condemn, uh, condemn him. What we're looking for is restoration. Now, uh, even look um, in chapter 5 of Galatians. Look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Um, for the whole law is fulfilled, you love your neighbor as yourself. You know, one of the ways that we're supposed to love one another is to be concerned when we find a brother overtaken, caught in a transgression. Now, what this pass what this verse gives us is Four pieces of instruction. Um, it talks about the who, the what, who should do it, and how. Okay, first of all, the who, the person that is in need. He is um, caught. He is overtaken. It seems to suggest that we've noticed a pattern or... Um, that, that our brother is trapped in some addiction, that sin has gotten the upper hand in this errant brother. Not that he stumbled, but that somehow uh, um, he is in a position, he's in a situation where sin is dominating him. He's overtaken. Um, and the what? And I've already said that. It's not just a um, common variety sin. It, um, it's, more like, um, it's more like a pattern that we've discovered. And then it says, the person that's supposed to do the deed is, um, is called a spiritual person supposed to be somebody who's seeking to live by the Holy Spirit. And then the action is that we're seeking to restore in a spirit of gentleness. It's not that I caught you in the sin and there's a gotcha moment. There is to be a, um, 
coming alongside to a brother that's overtaken in a, in a, in a sin that seems to have uh, gotten the best of him, and we in gentleness seek to restore him and get him out of this mess. That's a means of grace, ladies and gentlemen, and a very vital one. Now, there's another sentence in verse 1, which I think kind of regulates the whole verse. Because it, it closes with, an, with a warning. Keep watch on yourself. So the, the point is that before I go try to you know, help you with your sin, <clears throat> I need to be fully aware and fully um, um, in charge of my own or fully... Um, <clears throat> I need to be careful before I volunteer for this task. <clears throat> um, guys, one of the passages to which I want to take you tonight is a very familiar one. Um, but before we get there, have you ever said something like this? You, you see um, someone, uh, maybe, perhaps a Christian brother or sister who has blown it in some way, and you say something like this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would never do something like that. <laughs> well, you know what that is, don't you? That's a, um, that's a form of self-exaltation. He did it, but not me. I'm better than that. You know, Peter did that. Um, <clears throat> when Jesus was predicting that everybody's going to desert him, and um, and Peter steps forward and he says, "Ha, huh, Jesus, they may all desert you, but not me, because I would never do that." You ever said that? Don't do this, because you yourself at this moment are in danger. Your friend fell yesterday. Tomorrow may be your turn. Or maybe you already have and just didn't get caught. I have the potential to do anything. Um, given the right set of circumstances, I could do any imaginable sin that you've ever heard of. And you could too. So to say that I would never do that is a, is a very dangerous view of oneself. Now, that said, I want you to go to the passage that I think um, is a commentary on Galatians 6.1. It's in Matthew chapter 7. You know, the, you know what I'm going to. Um, <clears throat> let me read you the first five verses of Matthew chapter 7. Um, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, here's, here's the part of this that I think is comical. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, 
when there is a log in your own eye. You old hypocrite. Now, guys, um, the New Testament, and, and Jesus included, does not forbid all evaluation. For instance, later on, he says, do not give the dogs what is holy. Well, how are you going to figure who the dogs are if you don't make some kind of estimate? Um, but the thing that he is denouncing, um, <clears throat> or the thing that he is trying to rule out, is the pride that views oneself as better than everybody else in the room. Look at all those specks in their eyes. Um, the point of the image of the speck in the log the point of that image seems to be that the act of judgmentalism is worse than the fault that evoked it. Because one's a log and one's a speck. The safest place for us to be is the realization that every one of us have a log I, I can't, I don't have time to evaluate your specs because my time is consumed in dealing with my own logs. You know, gang, um, uh, you know, that text that I alluded to earlier about love covers, this is a book I read years ago entitled Love Covers, and there was a, there's an addendum in the back. And I want to read you just some snatches out of this. Listen to this. Severity is one of the natural accompaniments of a young and immature state of grace. So you see a lot of specks, do you? And you're just really a speck cop. Let me tell you something about you. Severity is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Au contraire. Severity is one of the natural accompaniments of a young, immature state of grace. You know what maturity looks like? Maturity looks like a person who understands just how big that log is in his, in his own eye and wouldn't dream of inspecting the speck in yours. But if you're prone to discover and inspect the specks, um, you're a spiritual infant. That's not maturity, ladies and gentlemen. That's the very opposite. And that, that image of a speck in a log that image seems to convey that your hyper-severity or your hyper-judgmentalism is far worse than the speck that you noticed that evoked the judgmentalism. I, I, I'm saying, guys, Galatians 6.1 is talking about a legitimate means of grace among God's people. Yes, 
But it closes with that last sentence, you know, uh, take heed with yourself. I'm saying that needs to be done. Galatians 6 1 needs to be done. But it needs to be done very cautiously, very rarely. Um, and maybe many of us don't qualify as the spiritual ones who can do it, to do that work of restoration. Let me read you a little bit more. Um, when we see evil in others, <laughs> we never can see the amount of inward resistance which the person has given to the evil. Okay. You say, that Jimmy Young, he is such a, he's such a bad guy. He is, he is eat up with pride. And you see it. Yes, sir, everybody. You see it in spades. But what you don't see is the ongoing inner battle that I am performing trying to do something about it. That's, that's what the sentence is. When we see evil in others, we never can see the amount of inward resistance which the person has given to the evil or the amount of humiliation and sorrow which they have for their own failures and defects. So you have an acidic tongue. And um, one of the sin cops wants to point it out. But the sin cops don't know that you're more aware of it than anybody in the room. And you are constantly in struggle trying to do something about your acidic tongue. Um... The evil we see, or think we see, in others, is easily recognized. (laughs) Did y'all hear that? It said, is that so? (laughs) Uh, Was that on purpose, Rick, or was that an accident? (laughs) It was an accident. Okay. Okay. So let me move on to make my point again. Uh, <laughs> the evil we think you see in others, these is evil right there. Is that so? <laughs> well, that's going in my book um, when I write it. All right, the evil we see or think we see in others is easily recognized. But oftentimes, the people we are judging are more keenly alive to their defects than we imagine. And may grieve over them in secret and feel in their hearts a humiliation and sorrow for them, which we cannot know of. For if sorrow for evil were ostentation and ostentatious and glaring, that would destroy its true character. Do you, do you understand that? What he's saying is, okay, we don't see the struggle that's going on in you internally. Because if we did see, and you were very, you know, um, Flamboyant about your battle with your acidic tongue. Then, then that just violates the true nature of the battle. 
It's just another attempt on our parts to gain more attention. But guys, one of the things that we've got to recognize is that before we just take up the mantle of performing Galatians 6.1, which is needed, but before we do, it says, take heed of yourself. And you better remember, you got a log. And as you're gazing at my speck, you can never see the intensity of the inner battle that's going on as I deal with it myself. You know, guys, Pharisees in in the church have such a high view of themselves that they think it is their job to point out the sin in the rest of us. Um, That Pharisaic sin, according to this little image in Matthew 7, is worse than the sin that is judged by the Pharisee. You got to remember that. I'm not done. If we actually saw what God is doing in the very people we often criticize and condemn, we could be utterly astonished at the immensity, the vigor, and the versatility of the magnificent spiritual work which God is doing all around us in, the, in, in this person. So we think, ah, you know, but you don't know this marvelous work that God is up to in the, in the, in the soul of man. But it's your job to go point out the sin. <clears throat> oh, I love this. We judge people not so much by how they stand to God as by the inconvenient or disagreeable way in which they may stand to us. <laughs> I'm really concerned about that sin, not because it's an affront to the holy God, but because it really makes me mad. <laughs> I really don't like it. Much that the eye catches is offensive. Which, no, much that the eye catches, which is offensive to our moral sense, may not be real sin. And yet we condemn it with a bitterness and severity much more than the real sin which does not happen to interfere with our interests or personal taste. Wow. Now, two other things, and, I'm, and, I'll, and I'll wrap this up. All I'm trying to do is, is preach Matthew 7, 1, or say 3 and 4, which is an explanation of the last sentence of Galatians 6, 1. Do you, you get that? Where it says, Take heed of yourself. And that's what this Matthew 7 is about. So I'm trying to help us take proper heed of ourselves before we enter into this means of grace of trying to restore those who have been overtaken in a trespass. Are you with me? That's the logic. I think it, I mean, I hope I didn't lose you, but I'm going to read four or five sentences, but the last sentence is just a doozy. Now, the more we are with God and the closer our union is with him, and the more deeply we drink of the interior sweetness of his life, the more we shall catch something of his gentleness and compassion of spirit, 
which will destroy our proclivity for harsh judgments and take away the keenness by which we discover evil in others. Even where judgments are legitimate and unavoidable, we may lay it down as a rule that the severity of our judgments is an infallible index to the lowness of our spiritual state. Did you get that? Lay it down as a rule. The severity of our judgments is an infallible index to the lowness of our spiritual state. The more severe we are is indicative of less spirituality. And he he wraps it up with this. Green sanctity. You know what that means? Immature, young, um, immature, young holiness. Green sanctity is ever swift and sharp and thinks God is too lenient and often acts as if his judgment throne wanted an occupant. You get that? Somehow the judgment throne is vacant and the one who needs to fill it is me. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an indicator of green sanctity. The lowness of one's spiritual state. Now, guys, um, I'm saying if we could embrace the one principle that is taught in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, or really 3 and 4 about the log and the smack, if we could, if we could get that I think we would find it much easier to forgive each other. I, you know, I, um, I love what I do, and I, you know, there are great encouragements in ministry, and, <clears throat> um, and, and, I, and it's a privilege to do what I do. But I'm telling you, there's some dark days. But I would say to you, the darkest, the, the one <clears throat> when I feel like, well, why don't we just close shop and forget this whole thing? We're not, we're not making any progress. Is when somebody comes into my office with an offense towards somebody else in this church and look me in the eye and refuse. Downright refuse to forgive. Yeah, I know what the Bible says about forgiveness. Yeah, well, I know it, but, 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 but you, you don't know what they did to me. And I, and I said, wait, 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 just a second. Do you know what you did to Jesus? And you're in possession of an undeserved forgiveness? Why can't you grant one? And part of the reason that they can't grant one, ladies and gentlemen, is because they've never noticed that there's a big old log sticking in their eye. 
So what you did to me and me, ladies and gentlemen, that's not sanctity. That's not maturity. It's the very opposite. And potentially even worse. Because people who have tasted of the forgiveness that we possess as undeserved people. You know that's what we've got, don't you? If we get what we deserve, we'll all perish. But God went to these great extremes to to provide a forgiveness for people like us who don't deserve it. And we will stand there and say with not one batting of an eye, I refuse. I had that happen to me just recently. And they walked out my door and they have never returned. And by the way, the offense was not with me. It was with one of you. And they walked down that hall and I'm telling you, just defiant. I'm not forgiven that because, because as you know, I would never do something like that. Really, you wouldn't. She lied to me. But I've never lied. Really. You've never lied. Not one time. Really. Do you, do you recognize, ladies and gentlemen, that there's a big old log in all of our eyes? So if we can get that one principle, it'll make forgiveness a whole lot easier. And there'll be a far greater degree of gentleness as we seek to restore a brother who has been overtaken by a transgression that's gotten the better of him. And so we'll go with gentleness, looking first at ourselves, because we know we got a log out there. But we're going to try to get involved and express concrete love for a brother who needs to be restored. That's what Galatians 6 1 is all, all about. Is, is that not is that not glorious? That's a means of grace, ladies and gentlemen, if we just perform it and do it rightly. Let's quit. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will give us a, a reminder, one that goes down deep into that place where only me and you go. Give us a reminder that there is a log in all of our eyes. And we... Um, We dare not. We dare not judge harshly when we see the specks in other brothers and sisters. Would you, um, would you permit us, O oh God, to perform Galatians six one well when it's needed? Um, it's a it's an intricate and difficult and complex thing to restore a, an errant brother. And so, Lord, would you raise up the spiritual men and women who, um, who walk with great trepidation knowing that the thing that is denounced by Jesus is the pride of thinking that I would never do that. Rid us of that kind of foolish pride that is based nowhere close to fact 
but has caused a great deal of wound, Christian to Christian. Grant us that, O oh God, that we can enjoy the Christian community in the way that she was intended. And we ask it all, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.